sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Happy Monday. It's Thanksgiving week here on Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Miss, Joe Pizzapia for two hours here on the show we're recapping everything that happened in fantasy and wagering in the NFL on Sunday. We'll look forward to tonight's Monday night football game between the Buccaneers and Rams. And, of course, keep you updated and covered on everything in happening in sports. You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. You can follow Joe on Twitter at JoePizzaPia17. Follow us on Twitter all week long. We're not going anywhere with you this week. <laughs> We're going to be here all week long and covering sports the way that we should be, especially on Thanksgiving Day as we approach the Thanksgiving Day holiday. Joe, happy weekend to you. Glad that we got through it. Now we're on to another week in the NFL where I think a lot of fantasy owners are looking at their teams this week, maybe knowing if they're in or out. I think we're kind of there at this point. <clears throat> yeah, I think you have a pretty good idea at this point if you're really paying attention the rest of the season or not. But I encourage everybody out there, even if you're out of it, I can understand you don't want to do waiver claims anymore, but at least set your lineups, please. For the love of God, please just set your lineups. Keep the competitive balance. Keep everybody in the league honest. Do that. And, yes, it was kind of a a weird weekend of football in terms of uh, those good bets that looked good, at least on the surface, and certainly not the best Sunday for rookie quarterbacks either. But there were some great stories in there, including Taysom Hill and P.J. Walker and a lot of other fun things to get to. So it's amazing how this landscape of the 2020 NFL season continues to evolve. And on top of which, we still get the Philadelphia Eagles, who are just out there still trying somehow to just not win this division. Yeah, really rough performance for them for sure. The East is a wreck, but hey, it's uh, it's up for grabs. That's all you can ask for in the NFL is not knowing something, and we definitely do not know who that division winner will be. All right, let's go through the headlines here for this Monday, 23rd of November, 2020. Joe Burrow with an injury yesterday that looks like it's going to keep him out for six months potentially to his knee, unfortunately, an ACL injury. Great season, great start for him. And uh, unfortunately, we're not going to get to see Burrow down the stretch for the Bengals. And so naturally, those of you who bet him on Rookie of the Year for those FanDuel odds, well, you can pretty much tear up that ticket. doesn't look like he's going to be the Rookie of the Year. It's going to be somebody else. Uh, Two Tagalova, I don't know if it'll be him either. He was benched in the loss to the Denver Broncos. They put in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick came in, immediately got the ball, immediately drove the team down the field, immediately threw an interception to lose the game. And so that's kind of the way it went at Denver. Denver still remains a tough place to play. Team could be terrible. They still somehow play well there. It's amazing. Uh, Great games. Titans and Ravens, Colts and Packers both go to overtime Titans with a Derrick Henry run in the end ends up winning that one, and the Colts basically got uh, got gifted a win at the end of the game by mm-hmm. the Green Bay Packers, but they probably should have won the game anyway. A lot of penalties in that one as well. Very competitive game. I think two teams that could be headed toward good things. Alex Smith gets his first win since making his return. That was against the Bengals. NBA free agency off to a hot start this weekend. Crazy players getting crazy money. Names I have never heard of getting 20 and $30 million. It just shows you how out of it I am with the NBA. Now, if you don't know the guys in the middle at the bottom, you are just not paying attention anymore in the NBA. Those guys are getting – obviously, the NBA is in good shape. Let's just put it that way. And then finally, <laughs> one probably the only pick I got right all weekend was Northwestern, them beating Wisconsin outright. They're now in the top 25. It was a brutal, brutal, brutal weekend uh, for picking. And I hate to be on the side with the public, and I had an eerie feeling this weekend – 
looking at all the public picks and seeing me on the right on the side of a few of those thinking oh boy this could be in for a tough one but this was the biggest win for the books uh, all season long whether it's FanDuel or Las Vegas or anyone else and another hotel is getting built this weekend, Joe, in Vegas. <laughs> and Fiddle can now open up another website based on all the the, uh, the public money being lost. But that's that's what happens sometimes. And here we are. <laughs> the Mishlagio. Yes, we're going to open up. I hope they, at least they name it. They can build it just on me. They could they could build another maybe, hotel after the week. You know, perhaps a donated yeah. fountain. Maybe that put your name on a fountain over there. That could be fun. There's but uh, yeah. dropping money in, in the fountain. <laughs> Well, that's what it is. It's a fountain, but instead it looks like money falling, but then it's just the water going through there. It's really lovely. Everybody has to go there and take their picture in front of it. It's like one of those Vegas must-do kind of things. But, uh, yeah, NBA free agency, a lot of money going around. I heard Paul Pierce make some interesting comments over the weekend about, you know, guys don't care about championships anymore with the kind of money that's flowing right now. He's like, guys just want to get paid. They want their money. They want their guaranteed lock-in, all that stuff. And I thought that was a really interesting take there that he said just generally throughout the league at this point in time with the kind of money that's going around that is it's just so insane right now if you can get more money you're going to take that money you're not going to worry so much about winning because you're more worried of getting paid and and i can't say i blame them necessarily i mean there's a lot of money flowing right now in the nba as it should be i think there's still players out there that want to go and win as well as get paid and and that's something that some players do think about the legacy but maybe not as much as we think that they do at this stage in where sports are and certainly the joe burrow injury it's just it's a really tough one here. I mean, he was having such a good rookie season, another, you know, bright shining star in the NFL. I, I assume that Tua will bounce back next week against the Jets. I know we're going to talk a lot, lot more about that as we go on here, but it seems like, at least to me, Craig, that Herbert seems like the default guy. You, you still got CD Lamb around, Justin Jefferson hanging around, but in terms of rookie of the year, it seems like Herbert's now kind of the guy in the standalone because it feels like in one week, the two guys that were kind of in contention with him might have fallen by the wayside here completely. Yeah, we had a running back win last year, so it's not completely unreasonable to think one of the receivers that you mentioned just completely uh, jumps off the page here. But for me, I think that you're probably right. I, I think that that Herbert should be the favorite. He probably will be the winner, and there really isn't anyone to compete with him at this point. Burrow had a nice season. I think it'll be interesting to see what his camp looks like in 2021 to see how his leg is, how his knee is before we dive back into that investment because he makes a lot of moves with his legs too. All right, our fantasy standouts from Sunday football is coming up next right here on Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. So before you click stop or forward or back or anything else, why don't you just stay on the grid because we'll be back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today as we're recapping the world of fantasy sports, which revolves around fantasy football, of course, Sunday, Thursday coming up, some key decisions have to be made for a lot of fantasy owners. we got six teams playing in the NFL, of course, college games as well, college games on Friday. Uh, a normal Thanksgiving, this will not be, but they will play the Thanksgiving <laughs> Day games. It couldn't be the uh, the worst possible slate of all time in the two early games, but at least we'll, Joe, have a dessert for the night game. My gosh, I, I don't <laughs> even want to, I don't even want to 
talk about those games on Thursday, what we're headed into here. But um, at the beginning of the season, when you looked at it, you thought, oh, yeah, I mean, Dallas will be okay. Washington, Houston, yeah, I mean, maybe. But my gosh, like, give me the night game and nothing else on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, well, hey, man, that, that Dallas game is a playoff game right now after this Dallas yeah, victory true, this week. Yeah. That is that is the division right now. This is our second playoff game of the year here in the regular season that we got going on. So in a weird way, I'm kind of paying attention to it because I feel like Dallas kind of looks up there. They see the Philadelphia yet again has been unable to pull ahead the last couple of weeks after getting healthy. Yeah, all that was all the narrative. That's all you heard the last couple of weeks. Well, once the Eagles get healthy, well, they've been getting healthy and they've still been absolutely terrible. They lost again this week. And now the Dallas Cowboys are having an opportunity here where if we just score points, which is the one thing they can do, they can win. That's where we are in the NFL. If you could just score points, a lot of teams don't play great defense. But imagine that somebody is probably going to be hosting a home playoff game with a losing record this year. That's pretty much a lock at this point. Yeah, it looks like it. 7-9 and nine gets you in, no doubt. All right, fantasy standouts from Sunday. Deshaun Watson just carved up the New England Patriots 28 of 37 344 passing yards, 36 rushing yards, and three touchdowns, more or less putting an end to the Patriots season. More on them coming up. Justin Herbert needed every yard and every touchdown he threw to beat the Jets, the Chargers, like they always do, making it interesting <laughs> in the end. 37 of 49, 366 passing yards, 11 rushing yards, and three touchdowns. It was a great play, especially on DFS this week for Justin Herbert. Uh, very quiet game for Derrick Henry until the later stages, which seems to be what he does. 28 carries, 133 rushing yards, including a long score for a touchdown. Would have been a bust of a day, but came through with the overtime touchdown and ended up really rewarding fantasy owners. It's been a tough go of it lately for Henry, but maybe this is the start of something good. Keenan Allen always has one of these games every year where he catches a million balls for a million yards and scores a million touchdowns, and he did it <laughs> yesterday. 16 catches, 145 receiving yards, and a score. Demir Bird switching back off and forth with another receiver on New England. Uh, it did, did it this week. Six receptions, 132 and a touchdown. Go figure that performance and a loss. And then Adam Thielen with a really nice catch in the back of the end zone. One of his two touchdowns for Minnesota as uh, eight catches, 132 receiving yards for Adam Thielen, who I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is tied for the most receiving touchdowns with Devontae Adams in the NFL in 2020. So a great season for Thielen, even Without Stephon Diggs there, Jefferson has definitely stepped up to help out things a little bit with Minnesota. But in terms of what we saw yesterday, Joe, it's really amazing to think that Keenan Allen every year has one of these like monster receiving games. And and I wonder if, if we were to look back at it to, to just eliminate those games from his schedule and look at the rest of his output, he still would be a good receiver. But I would love to see him do it like – in week 14 of the playoffs in fantasy football and, you know, just kind of get that. But it, 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 it's like clockwork every year at the end of a year. It's like he had 18 catches, 20 catches yesterday was 16. I don't know why it happens, but it, it feels like it's a once a year occasion. It's like Christmas or yeah. Hanukkah. Well, Hanukkah is eight, eight days. Wow. A yeah. And I'll tell you what, if you can give me the, the Hanukkah version where we get eight games, of Hanukkah this, he's the great. number one he's wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Yeah, so anyway, let's let's do that. <laughs> so Keenan Allen with a CH at this point, <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you what, um, like Keenan Allen this year that that record's actually that game has been much better than 
in the last couple years. So that is something you can look at. The problem is with Keenan Allen, too, you don't always get that touchdown. But look, if you watched game yesterday on this network, we talked quite a bit about Herbert and Keenan Allen being the cash game lock on FanDuel when a lot of things were going on. We said, look, look, this is about the safest thing you could possibly do is put these two guys together here. They're both kind of expensive, but, you know, it's just safe. And it was. And, and against the Jets, it's just one of these things, you know, we keep pounding the table for it. But still, people want to get different for the sake of being different instead of right for the sake of being right. And we talk about the good chalk versus the bad chalk. And there was a good chalk yesterday. And Keenan Allen, look, I, I, you know, I'm doing right now, working on some shows here coming up this week, and uh, was doing a ranking of the top 12 wide receivers. And Keenan Allen is right there, right on that top 10 area. And, and it's hard to argue going into next year that he's not right back in that conversation of a guy that you're probably looking at me early second round, which is where he was a few years ago before that Chargers offense fell off a little bit. And you're absolutely right as well. Adam Thielen, great catch from him. Another standout performance. Great catches from CeeDee Lamb in that game. Adam Thielen as well. But Thielen has, I have this in my notes here, uh, Thielen has 11 touchdowns in 12 games. That's a franchise record uh, by a receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. So a great uh, job by Adam Thielen there. And um, look, Deshaun Watson, you know that he's capable of these kind of games, right? Deshaun Watson is the kind of guy that can go out there have a game like you saw this week against a, a tough defense and just look like the best quarterback in the universe. And I think for Deshaun Watson, for Texans fans, this is very frustrating because you see this and you go, okay, there's a finite window here with all football players where we can support them with a team that's good enough to win a Super Bowl. Deshaun Watson's a good enough quarterback to win a Super Bowl. I think you and I would both agree sure. on that. Yeah. The problem is, what have we surrounded him with? We have no draft picks. We have no cap space. We have aging talent. We have very little peripherally around him. And it's very frustrating right now. And I don't know if next year it can all be fixed magically. I don't think it can. I think they've set themselves back more than one season here. And I think that's what's very frustrating because you see that window of Deshaun Watson where you could go out there and win a Super Bowl with him. And you start to look and you say, but realistically – that Texans team is so far behind the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're so far behind uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. They're behind the Indianapolis Colts. They're behind a lot of teams right now in the NFL. So I don't know, for, for your money, do you think – I mean, I think Deshaun is a top-five quarterback in the NFL. He's top-five in the quarterback rankings. But right now with the Texans, do you see any way that they can turn this around quicker than I do where maybe the Texans become relevant again? Because it seems like they might be wasting one of the best talents in all of football. Well, I, I mean, what they could do, and and I know that this is you know maybe not the most popular thing, but they could call a team like the Bears and say, "Give us everything you got for the next couple of years in draft picks, first round picks, second round picks, third round picks, couple players." Bear uh, Watson goes to the Bears. They get their quarterback immediately become, you know, their personnel defensively is fantastic. And offensively, they have enough, right? They have Allen Robinson sure. there. Um, you know, maybe maybe it's a team like that that has a top 15, because I would assume the Bears at this point probably have a top 15 pick in the draft. They could get their quarterback of the future. You know, Watson immediately becomes, makes a team that much better. But that's the kind of thing that would have to happen. I think you're right. Houston is mortgaged way too much of their yeah. future, it, it it almost feels like an Andrew Luck situation with Indianapolis where, look, Andrew Luck did have some players around him and he had a good offensive line around him, but he looked at it and thought, oh, like, I mean, maybe, I don't, I don't know if he thought that the team wasn't going to be good or not. Maybe it was more of a personal decision. But if I am, if Watson, I got to look at this thing, like if there's any opportunity for me to get out, what is the spot? And the Bears would seem to me to be a team that has enough around it 
to maybe be a contender. Maybe your Patriots, Joe. I mean, maybe that's another team that would be willing to just mortgage everything in the world that they have left to to get Watson. And I don't know that they have enough playmakers around him. He may be more or less in the same situation that he's in with Houston. Yeah. So a couple of options there. But but to me, getting a, a quarterback, like if you can get Kyle Trask in the first round, like mm-hmm. potentially there, let's say he's the 10th pick overall, 11th pick overall, and you're giving up Watson, Houston gets him, they get picks, some other team gets Watson to try and win a Super Bowl, maybe that's the way to go. I, I don't know the answer. Houston's yeah. in It's a amazing. It's amazing, Craig, yeah, because the sure. one thing every NFL organization covets is the quarterback, and it's the one thing that Houston has right. And it's got to be so frustrating to look at the rest of the landscape of this team and see everything wrong that's set up in place right now very and set true. up in the future. Yeah. And I think you might be right. The only way out is to make a very difficult decision. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be the one making that call. They've already made some horrible calls for sure. All right, coming up next, it's time for us to start diving into our fantasy landscape with our leaders from yesterday's game. So we're going to go through the game capitals one by one. We'll start with Tennessee Baltimore next. I'll go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Joe Pizzapia, Craig Mish. We go through two hours of recapping all of the games from a fantasy perspective. Also throw in some wagering as well. Every single Monday here on the show. That's where we'll be one week from today. Of course, after the Thanksgiving Day holiday. Make sure you stay on the grid all week long. Coming up on Thursday, we'll roll out our football coverage as we always do. But for now, let's take a look at one of the games from the weekend, arguably one of the more exciting games from the weekend. There were actually a few that were quite compelling, especially in the late slate. But let's get started with the early and focus in on the Tennessee Titans, who got off to a pretty good start against Baltimore. And and honestly, the Ravens could not really seal the deal here. They had a lot of different opportunities, but couldn't make the most of them. Tannehill was 22 of 31, 259 passing yards, 35 rushing yards, two touchdowns and one interception. Derrick Henry, 28 carries, 133, and a touchdown. Doesn't tell the entire story there without overtime. It's a basically 27-carry, 90-yard day, which is not what you would expect. But in the end, that's all we're looking at is results, and results matter, and Henry had the results. A.J. Brown, four catches, 62 yards, and a touchdown. Also had a couple drops in this one, too. Corey Davis, five receptions, 113. And Jonu Smith scored a touchdown. He was in and out of the game with an injury, but got the 10 fantasy points that you're looking for from a tight end. Can't complain with that. Now, over to the Baltimore side, it was another difficult day for Lamar Jackson. 17 of 29, 186 passing yards, 51 rushing yards, one touchdown, and one key interception, literally throwing the ball up in the air to no one. That was picked off by the Titans. J.K. Dobbins looked like the best running back on Baltimore. They seemed to be hesitant to give him more than 15, 16 touches a game, but and that's basically what he's getting, 15 for 70, two receptions, 15 yards and a touchdown, so he made the most of his, his touches. Des Bryant, the Ravens are trying to make into something there, but that's not working. Four catches, 28 yards. He was wide open in the end zone, and uh, Jackson didn't even look his way at one point, and Andrews had five catches. <laughs> 96 yards and a touchdown. So, Joe, big game for the Titans to sort of to stop the bleeding, so to speak, because both of these teams were bleeding very badly. 
and Tennessee is the one in the end that pushes the game to overtime. The Ravens had a lot of opportunities in the red zone they couldn't take advantage of. You have Tucker there. You feel good about that if you're the Ravens because he doesn't miss a field goal ever, and he made all of his field goals, but those were not touchdowns. And I got to say, at this point, this is more about the Ravens than it is about the Titans. From a fantasy perspective, you know exactly who the Titans are. Henry's going to get a lot of carries. Sometimes he's going to have great games. Sometimes he's going to have good games. Very rarely a bad game. And the receivers seem to be going back and forth between Brown and Davis. Pretty much it. Mm -hmm. The Ravens are, like, it's almost gotten to the point where almost no one is viable on a weekly basis from fantasy. Who Mm would have thought that after the season last year? I thought that this was just a Lamar Jackson struggling in the first half of the season. Looks like I'm completely wrong because it's continuing. He's not hitting the open receivers. He basically is targeting no one outside of Mark Andrews consistently. Brown gets the ball hit right to him. He drops the ball, too. Maybe the Ravens are desperate for a number one receiver, but I got to say they didn't have one last year either. So how was he so successful last year and not this year? I guess the video is out and teams have figured out a way to stop him. Nothing else I can come up with. I think they figured out a way to confuse him a little bit with the coverage. I don't know if it stops so much as confused because, like you said, he's missing some wide open guys sometimes and he's missing reads sometimes. So for me, it's not a matter of stopping him. I think they've confused him with the coverage a little bit and he hasn't been able to make the adjustments through it. And now, granted, the one thing that helps when you have coverage that's confusing is a really good wide receiver who could separate and create things. I mean, if you dropped Allen Robinson there, Right, and took him off the, the Chicago Bears and dropped him there. If, if you gave him A.J. Brown or if you gave him Devontae Adams, I'm sure we might be having a little bit different conversation, but they don't have that. Now, in the offseason, Baltimore can go out there and dress it because clearly Des Bryant is not the area. Clearly Marquise Brown, who I think everybody had a lot of expectations for this year, if healthy, well, maybe he can be that home run hitter kind of guy. But you know what? He hasn't been that guy either. So you have to find somebody like an Adam Thielen at the very least, somebody who you know you can rely on consistently to be a high possession wide receiver kind of guy who can get open there in the middle of the field and, and, and find a way to expand the offense a little bit because teams have figured it out a little bit. And I think that confusion you see in there, but I don't want to take anything away here from what the Tennessee Titans did because Ryan Tannehill saw a ton of pressure yesterday in the game and Ryan Tannehill was able to be very efficient with that pressure and it's been kind of tough for them since they've had some injuries on that line we talked about that loss of Lewin and how all of a sudden all the productivity in that passing game has kind of gone downward ever since well this was a nice rebound on there an incredible touchdown effort by AJ Brown to breaking four tackles to get there that dude is an absolute beast. What an incredible touchdown that was. And, and look, the Tennessee defense once again showed up when it mattered, at least. They had the one sack of the game win in overtime for Lamar Jackson, which stopped it. And that was kind of all she wrote. So I'm with you. I, I think, you know, in the draft, they'll address this, or maybe in free agency or via trade, they'll address this. But right now, schedule still looks better for Lamar Jackson. This is supposed to be one of the better games. So far, not the better return, and I think right now you're looking at Lamar Jackson falling behind guys like Russell Wilson, guys like Deshaun Watson in fantasy, guys like Kyler Murray. They've all gone past him as far as which quarterbacks you covet in fantasy. It's not a knock that Lamar Jackson can't get back to where he was last year, but right now we have to live in the truth that if I asked you, would you rather have Dak Prescott next year or Lamar Jackson? I think I would say Dak Prescott. How about you? 
Yeah, I think you have to. Well, I mean, we got to see with the injury how he is. But, yeah, I think you have sure. to. Also, in terms of Tannehill, I didn't really see it the same way. I, I didn't think he looked good all game. He was pressured. He was throwing the ball away. He was missing guys. He threw a pick that led to a score with Baltimore. And, and honestly, there were two reasons why Tennessee won that game. The first reason is, of course, Derrick Henry rushes for a touchdown in overtime. The second reason, on fourth and seven, they got a fake punt. And that, that led to a score, too. Not something that a lot of coaches would do on a fourth and seven. Vrabel's a very good coach. And I think that kept them in the game. Uh, looked like they were going to cover regardless of it, but winning the game outright was Derrick Henry's run for sure. Well, he was right, Tannehill with 14 of 18 under that pressure yesterday. So I know it wasn't he glowing, did not look but good. it was efficient. Did not look good. Well, the numbers he say he was good. at least efficient. So I, I can now say that if, 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 he doesn't throw, if he doesn't throw a pick, they win the game easily. Throws a pick, Ravens come That's all the fair. way down and score. He overthrows A.J. Brown a couple times. I, look, mm-hmm. you know, again, look, oh, I, I know what the numbers well. are. I said he played better. I know what the numbers are, Joe. I watched the game. I, I get it. I got you. I got you. Yeah, I'm. I'm I watched it. Uh, Washington, Cincinnati. Now this game, uh, this game was interesting until Burrow got hurt, and then that was pretty much it. I, I don't know if Cincinnati would have won the game with Burrow. They didn't look great either. But once Burrow went out, that was it. Uh, Alex Smith, 17 of 25, 166 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception for him. Antonio Gibson had a short touchdown, also rushed for 94 yards and had a reception. McKissick just loads up on these receptions. He is just basically Mr. Checkdown for Alex Smith. He is viable as running back two every week with these receptions. And Terry McLaurin, another 13 fantasy points. Shouldn't come as a surprise. He's been rock solid all season long. As far as Cincinnati goes, it's really unfortunate to see Joe Burrow goes down, go down. I don't think anybody wanted to see this happen, and uh, and and who even knows with this injury how long he's going to be out for. He had a good year, was really good against some bad defenses, was really bad against some good defenses, and he's a rookie in the NFL, which is what you can expect. Now, Ryan Finley is back at quarterback for Cincinnati. He wasn't good at all last year. He wasn't good in this game. And then the stats really... Uh, didn't add up for anyone else. Uh, Giovanni Bernard, nine carries, 18 yards. Boyd had a decent game. Higgins did not. A.J. Green miraculously caught a touchdown pass. He kind of had to scoot into the end zone and was actually targeted a bit more in this game when uh, Burrow went out. So maybe that's a thing with Finley throwing to A.J. Green. I mean, maybe it could be. But, Joe, it was a deflating game to watch. Good news for Washington. They stay in it, and Gibson, McKissick, and McLaurin are playing in fantasy every week. Like those three guys are absolute mm-hmm. plays right now, given the injuries in the NFL. But boy, what a massive downgrade to everybody on Cincinnati. The only one that maybe I'd consider upgrading a little bit is Green, because it seemed like the second that Finley got in the game, it was like, where's AJ Green? I got to find this guy. And he just kept throwing it to him over and over again. Uh, but beyond that, I, I think that we closed the book on the Bengals for the year for fantasy. Yeah, I think we're also going to be closing the book on Joe Mixon uh, as well, who was put on the IR. And any thought you have of him coming back this year, that's now gone as well. So you can take him out of the equation. We'll see what happens with T. Higgins, who's been very steady, obviously, with Joe Burrow. That is definitely in question now. Tyra Boyd, A.J. Green, maybe we'll see. But also, I think on the positive side, yeah, J.D. McKissick, uh, another good game for him. And Antonio Gibson, another very solid game here. He's really building I think as the season continues on, a lot of people uh, like me were kind of looking at him as a really cagey waiver wire pickup. I kept saying the other day, I feel like there hasn't been one guy who maybe has been a that league winner waiver wire pickup. You know, James Robinson was before the season started, but I feel like maybe by the time we get here, the last couple of weeks for Gibson have been really good. Maybe we're starting to roll. Maybe that's the guy because he's got a good matchup this week on Thanksgiving against Dallas as well. All right, Cleveland and Philadelphia. Let's quickly get into this game. Another bad weather situation. The Browns and the under in in betting have just been a marriage made in heaven. If you just keep betting the under, you keep winning. Baker Mayfield, 200 yards. Nick Chubb, over 100. 
with uh, Chubb back, Hunt has not gotten nearly the same production. He did have 100 yards last week, but this week only uh, 13 carries. Thank goodness he scored a touchdown to kind of save his day. And then somebody named Kaderil Hodge ended up getting 73 yards. I saw his big catch. I'd never heard of him until I saw that catch. Uh, Philadelphia, Carson Wentz was brutal. 235 passing yards through a pick six, also through two touchdowns. He's just struggled all year long. Sanders was was fair, 16 for 66 and also three receptions, so 10 fantasy points. Goddard was finally back. It was good to see that. I own him in a fantasy league. I don't know why they don't target him a lot, but he did he got 12, uh, 18 fantasy points yesterday, and Richard Rodgers also scored a touchdown. I know today uh, the story is basically twofold. The Browns, Joe, keep running the ball and running the ball well, so they're not going to change the way they play. Their defense is good even without Garrett. And Philadelphia, everyone is calling for Jalen Hurts to play. Peterson seems like a pretty good coach to know the pulse and to know who's supposed to play on that team. I can't believe that they have not given Jalen Hurts a, a chance to start. With all of the other the success, and I know Tua had a bad game yesterday, but with all the success that these rookie quarterbacks have had, to just not play uh, Hurts even a little to see what he's got at this stage, even if you go 7-9 and nine and win the division, is that a success story? I, I would have to play him now. I think it's time. I don't know what they're waiting for. I think what they're waiting for is I think he understands that when he makes that move, then that's the end of Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. And I think he's being very careful about that. I honestly think that is the reason here. So you're looking at a situation where if he does make that move and Hertz has, you know, gotten some moments here in the games, he hasn't looked great in the moments he's had, but you can't really get into a rhythm on one play here and there. But I can say right now, that's the reason. And I don't know if we're getting closer and closer, but it feels like at least we're getting closer and closer to the end of Carson Wentz in Philadelphia at the very least. It could be, and I got to tell you, if you do not have that massive contract, it wouldn't even be a question. I think that would be in. Saints and Falcons coming up next. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It's very rare that things work out exactly the way that you want them to. And for people in season-long fantasy leagues that played Taysom Hill on their ESPN League at tight end, you got exactly what you wanted. Same thing over on FanDuel. You got exactly what you wanted. A very rare feat in the NFL, but indeed that was the case. Didn't look like that was going to be the case in the first half as Hill struggled to get his feet under him, but the second half was pretty much what we thought it would be, and I don't think we'll see Jameis Winston at all. Let's take a look at the stats here from the Saints and Falcons with Hill's numbers, 18 of 23, 233 passing yards, 51 rushing yards, and two touchdowns. Gave you probably right around 20 fantasy points, which is more or less what we thought it would be. So no huge surprise (laughs) there. Alvin Kamara, 13 carries, 45 rushing yards. He was really the one that took the hit with Hill being so Mm -hmm. good. Maybe this is something to keep an eye on with Kamara's numbers coming down, but he had 10 fantasy points. Latavius Murray, 49 rushing yards, got involved in the passing game a little bit. Michael Thomas saw a lot of targets, nine receptions, 104 yards, could have been a little bit better, had a drop, also one over his head. Emmanuel Sanders, four receptions, 66 yards. Now, in terms of the Falcons, I don't know what went wrong with them here. Just looked like a very poor game plan against the Saints, honestly. Just a lot of kicking field goals. Again, a team that is losing so much, Raheem Morris, go for it on fourth down. You have nothing to lose. But no, a lot of cool field goals. Don't know why that happened. Matt Ryan, 19 of 37, 232 passing yards, also two interceptions in this one. Todd Gurley, eight carries, 26 rushing yards, one reception, three yards. 
Uh, Ridley had a lot of action and so did Gage because Julio Jones got hurt in this one. Ridley with five receptions, 90 yards. Gage, seven receptions, 58 <laughs> yards. But, Joe, the Taysom Hill era begins at quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> it is a successful one. And, uh, and honestly, rewarding the tight end owners. I'm very curious to see how ESPN decides to handle it this week. I personally don't think it's right for them to remove the tight end eligibility as bad as it is. And you're hearing a lot of people complain about it. I, I just don't know how you could arbitrarily take things away from people in fantasy, but it seems like that's where we're headed. Hill is a great start at tight end moving forward. Every week <laughs> He's the league winner at tight end, but he doesn't line up at tight end all year. Like that's the thing I don't understand coming into the season, how he was even you know, put into that category. You should have been a quarterback from the get-go. I'd like to go back and look at how many times he has lined up at tight end in the 2020 season. I might have to do that on the next break. But, look, Taysom Hill was exactly the good chalk we thought he'd be on FanDuel this week. And it was going to be best Taysom Hill lineup wins. And that's certainly what it was. It was almost 70% owned in the million-dollar yeah. contest this week. So, uh, look, that that's just the way it was going to be. It was too good not to have. And it was a perfect storm as well with Kelsey not even available on the slate, with Andrews who hadn't been playing well even though he did have a good game there. Waller wasn't on the main slate either. He was in that night game along with Kelsey. So there weren't a lot of options at tight end. So Taysom Hill, look, even if he was the low end, which we were talking about, would maybe get you 15 points. That's three times value on the 4,500. That's exactly what you'd be wanting out of a tight end anyway. That is best case scenario anyway, so why not take the shot? And you're right, he was a little shaky here in the beginning of this game. And for me, what happened to the Falcons was pretty clear. It was eight sacks on Matt Ryan. That's a lot of sacks. You hit the quarterback that much, Julio coming out with injury, just never got going for them. And as the game went on, Taysom Hill looked more and more confident. And Sean Payton, after the game, made the comment that he feels like he has the quarterback of the future on this roster. It's a very cagey way of saying it. But I feel like he thinks it's Taysom Hill. And if he didn't think it was Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill wouldn't be playing right now. And I think there's some things to really pay attention to, including what you mentioned here is Alvin Kamara's use. Now, maybe this game from a game script standpoint isn't a good indicator, but let's see if it's a trend here. If Taysom Hill's running of the football starts to eat further and further away from Kamara's running of the football, which isn't nearly as high as some other running backs either in terms of carry volume. He's more of that pass-catching running back either. So what that does potentially here to his value in half and even standard leagues in terms of half-point PPR and standard formats, it's something to at least keep an eye on in the future and as see if it's a trend going forward into next year if Taysom Hill is indeed the guy. But look, big win for the Saints here. Another terrible loss for the Falcons. What more can you do? At least Calvin Ridley was back. That That made me happy to see him healthy. Yeah, Ridley played well, but no Julio Jones. So that's one they're going to have to keep an eye on this week for sure. All right, let's move over to the Houston Texans and New England Patriots, a game where Houston wins in the end. New England had their chances to win this game and a very odd, uh, I would say, offensive script for, for New England, honestly, in this game. First time I would ever even question Belichick for years, but it was just bizarre the way that they were playing this game out. Anyway, uh, Watson, 28 of 37, 344, 36 rushing yards, also a rushing touchdown. He had a great game and and seems to do that very often. Uh, Duke Johnson, 10 carries, 15 yards, nothing to say anything positive about their running game is pretty much cooked. Uh, speaking of Cook, Cooks, four receptions, 85 yards for him. <laughs> receptions 80 yards and jordan akins had five receptions in 83 yards so basically playing everybody on houston worked out now for new england newton ends up throwing 40 passes in this game for what reason i have no idea because they were in the game from start to finish harris looked very good early and then they just stopped giving him the ball rex burkhead even came out of the game and they stopped giving him the ball i don't get it 
Uh, it was like a scene from, from 2018 with James White catching the ball out of the backfield. I thought New England was going to play defense and run the ball and keep the other team mm-hmm. off the field. Instead, they let Newton throw the ball 40 times. And, hey, for fantasy, it was good for Newton. It was good for Demir Bird. Six receptions, 132 yards, and a touchdown. But I this is the first time I can honestly say I don't know that New England knows what they're doing here. And, and maybe it's just – Having Cam Newton at quarterback, trying to make the most of it, I'm not really sure. I, I thought based on Harris's touchdown at the beginning of the game, wow, he's going to get 25 carries today mm-hmm. and 100 yards touchdown, and they just quit giving him the ball. So kind of self-inflicted in my mind here, Joe. They did have the ball at the end of the game, again, with a chance to win, and New England in the last four weeks in a row has either won games or lost games in the last minute, and I think their season is lost after this one against Houston. This is befuddling to me. You have the worst team in football in terms of against the run. And you have a running quarterback, a running back who's just coming off a 100-yard game, a running back who looks young and fresh and ready for the workload, and you give him 11 carries. And I understand Rex Burkhead got hurt in this game, and maybe that changed some of the, the game plan. I know he's out for the year. It's a tough loss for New England. It's a tough loss for Burkhead, too, because he's coming up on a free agent year, so it's a bad timing of things. But still, how do you do this if you're the New England Patriots? You have to run the football. And I don't care. I understand maybe back in the day you say, well, you know, they're bringing up everybody. So now let's throw the ball because, you know, they're expecting us to run. So let's kind of use whatever defense they're showing us against them. That's fine. We have Tom Brady playing quarterback. Maybe you want to do that. But that was just not necessary here. And I do think the game plan and getting away from the run was the undoing of New England Patriots in this game. I don't think you could have said it any better than how you said it. This was stunningly odd to me, how this game plan got away from Damian Harris, how it got away from uh, just grounding and pounding, playing defense, just grinding them to a halt, and also, more importantly, keeping the ball away and keeping time of possession out of the hands of Deshaun Watson, who clearly was ready for this game, who clearly got up for this game, who clearly was feeling it in the zone, as some athletes like to say. Deshaun Watson was all of those things and more. And how you don't continue to say, you know, I don't care what the defense shows you look-wise, we're just going to continue to pound the ball, pound the ball, and pound it some more. It was stunning to me. It was a great, great game for Deshaun Watson. I don't want to take anything away from him. All the credit to Deshaun. Did a fantastic job in this game. Gilmore was back. The defense was at 100%. They didn't stop Deshaun Watson. But what a what a terrible job here by the offense. And look, you know, the, the frustration of Cam Newton, everything, all my worst fears going into the season are exactly true. That we would be mediocre. And I think that is the worst thing for any fan base, really. It's like, you're going to be bad. Be bad enough to get a really high pick and turn things around. But to be mediocre and spin your reels in the NFL can be a very, very dangerous game. No, well, it could be that way for the Patriots. I, I mean, look, again, they're in every game. And with a minute to go in their games, you don't know who's going to win. And so that tells you that they're basically a 500 team that's going to win half and lose half. And, and that's probably where they're headed, 8-8. Eight and eight. All right, Pittsburgh, who knows when they'll lose. They win again. Relatively easy game for them, by the way. Jacksonville looked like they had something early on, and then things just fell apart. Ben Roethlisberger, 32 of 46, 267 in the air, two touchdowns, one pick. Connor had 89 rushing yards and also three receptions and 10 receiving yards. Deontay Johnson with a big game this week. 12 receptions, 111 for him. Claypool also with a touchdown and 59 yards. Ebron scored a touchdown. And Pittsburgh's defense was fantastic with four interceptions, two sacks, and the defense played well as well. On the Jacksonville side of things, unfortunately for Jake Luton, now they have the video and that's the end. So, uh, so much for him. <laughs> One and four touchdowns. It just, 
it, it, the NFL, just like every other sport, once they get the video, it doesn't matter how good you look, they're going to figure out what to do. And and listen, he, he likes to run out of the pocket and throw the ball up in the air, not knowing where it's going to go. Guess what? You're going to get picked off a lot. And that's and it was Pittsburgh, but I, I think Jacksonville probably better off, honestly, going back to Minshew. Uh, Robinson, 17 for 73, two receptions, and Shark, not much. And uh, yeah, that's it, Jacksonville is just not much to say. But for Pittsburgh... It's it's more of the same, spreading the ball around, everyone getting involved in the action. And from a fantasy perspective, you almost could play their entire team every week and end up with a pretty good <laughs> Yeah, the irony is the one thing that you don't feel great about is the running game, which used to be kind of the hallmark of the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? You always feel good about the running game. And Connor hasn't been all that great, and especially down by the goal line, too. Another Benny Snell touchdown down here, which yeah, really well, they give the Connor owners. That's the reason. <laughs> I, mean, I know. Well, if that's, that's the whole thing. But... Touchdown, we look at his day and say, fantastic. I mean, that's just Yeah, but, but how often have we done that this year? Very rarely, and that's the whole thing. Like, they are rolling yeah. right now, and they're not going to get away from this. And it sucks because they hate your fantasy team right now. <laughs> they do. If you've got Connor or Benny Snell, you can't really start Snell because if they don't get to the goal line, doesn't get the touchdown, he has no value. And you almost can't start Connor anymore because he doesn't get any opportunity to score touchdowns. So uh, the one thing that is great is certainly uh, the wide receivers here. We just get up here every single week. And, you know, I know going into this week, even on Friday show, we were talking about the value of this wide receiver unit. I couldn't believe they were all priced in that 6500 range, give or take $100, all three of the guys. And Deontay Johnson is a PPR stud. I mean, the guy's been terrific. Another 12 catches here. The guy gets a ton of targets. He's got double-digit targets every time he's healthy and on the field. And Claypool's been a revelation. I mean, the guy is a matchup disaster. He's got another touchdown here for Chase Claypool. I mean, well, I mean, you're looking next year into uh, the year two wide receiver class of Claypool, of CeeDee Lamb, of Jerry Judy, of Michael Pittman, of Mims, all these guys that have shown you moments too. Like these guys are really exciting players. And and I think sky's the limit here for these wide receivers. And it's going to make fantasy drafts fascinating because there's going to be so much value with those guys. I'd even mention T Higgins, right? Like I could sit here and I'm probably just going to be three or four more guys that I forget. Yeah, I actually did remember Pittman, but I forgot T Higgins. There's so many dudes right now that you can look at and go, well, all these guys could be wide receiver twos next year, if not wide receiver ones, maybe. And Roethlisberger's played well this year. The defense has been out of its mind. They've been fantastic. And they seem like they are a very confident team. Now, we'll see if we get further and further. We've seen this in the past. These teams that look great, unbeatable, all this stuff, undefeated. Then sometimes that undefeated streak takes its toll a little bit. Then sometimes you start to say, oh, this team, potentially, maybe they're peaking early. We've seen it bite a lot of teams. More often than not, it does. So right now, I still think it's the Steelers. I still think it's the Kansas City Chiefs. Those are the two classes of the AFC. Everybody else is interesting. But for me, it's it's clear. Those two teams, at least for me, are playing on a different level. Would you agree that those are the separators and then that's the tier and then everybody else after them? Yeah, it feels like that. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. The Ravens at this point, you have to say that they've they've taken a step back for sure. And and look, the Raiders had their opportunity against Kansas City last night. Miami had their opportunity against Denver, but those teams fell back again. And I think that it's basically those two with with Jackson being Lamar Jackson being the X factor. Look, look, he still could go off the last seven games and change everything. But as of right now, that's the way it definitely looks. And uh, and for the Jaguars, they better be very careful here because the Jets may come close to winning a game. And I don't know that the Jaguars are going to win any the rest of the season. So you were that topic. The Jets may get this job done by losing all 16 games. If Jacksonville keeps playing Luton, they're not winning a game. I don't, I don't think the rest of the game. So, all right. Well, coming up next, it is uh, arguably the most uh, disastrous team in the NFL performance from Sunday. 
they are the lions and we'll spend two minutes and 50 seconds on them next <laughs> SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You want an NFL coach of the year? How about Matt Rule? You want an assistant of the year? How about Joe Brady? The Carolina Panthers just continue to surprise all season long, undermanned, and uh, basically it doesn't matter who they play. They show up every week and almost win every week. They've had like one bad game all year yesterday. Let's take a look at this. It was P.J. Walker who virtually did nothing except for throw picks and make mistakes, and they still dominated the Lions from start to finish. 258 yards for him and a touchdown, two interceptions. Mike Davis, they just gave him the ball over and over again. He didn't make much of it, but who cares? The Lions couldn't do a thing. (laughs) D.J. Moore... Seven for 127. Curtis Samuel with one of his better games of the season. Eight for 70 and a touchdown. And go figure. Walker with that connection to Robbie Anderson. He had only 11 points. It was probably his worst fantasy day of the season. The Lions. What are we to say about <laughs> them? Stafford, 178. Uh, the, the, the snapper was snapping the ball all over the place. The balls were falling. I mean, they couldn't run the ball. They couldn't catch the ball. They couldn't throw the ball. They couldn't score. The Lions season may somehow get to seven and nine or eight and eight, but they're just not good and massive changes have to come, I think, Joe, for them. But I'd love to focus here on the Panthers. What a great story they are this year. Uh, everyone had them pegged as being what? One and fifteen, two and fourteen, three and thirteen. They've already eclipsed all of that. It's just really impressive to me how well they played. And they've eclipsed it without Christian McCaffrey, one of the best running backs on the planet. So if I told you not only will they eclipse it, but they'll eclipse it without Christian McCaffrey, and every week we'd sit here and go, boy, look at that effort from the Carolina Panthers. It's an incredibly impressive job. I mean, you definitely got the right guy here in Matt Rule, and I'm telling you, Brady's going to be one and done there as an as an offensive coordinator. He should be a head coach next year, without a doubt. Absolutely. I think if I'm somebody out there looking for a head coach, watching what they've done here with this offense – Robbie Anderson resurrected. Uh, DJ Moore continuing to be a very good player. What they've done with Mike Davis. Mike Davis was a cast off from the Bears, for God's sakes. And look at what he's been able to do. Teddy Bridgewater, another guy, too. Fantastic. And you could see when Teddy Bridgewater was out there in pregame warmups, there was no way he was going to play. So DJ Walker came out there. And you know what? He gave a lot of effort. He had some bad moments, but he had a couple good throws as well. Great job by the Carolina Panthers here yet again. And they're going to go over their win total in November. I mean, that's just incredible to think that they're one of the big surprises for me this year. And and their coaching staff deserves a great job because they don't have any studs. All right, we'll be back with our draft list. 